When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Research and development. Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week, we put liquid paper on a bee. And it died. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup! Can I tell you something though? You're getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Welcome back in, everybody. Another edition of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast coming at you right now. Episode 30. Holy shit. 30. Nice round number. Love it. They just get bigger every week. That's funny how that happens. But as always, I'm joined by my good friend, my good buddy, Adam. How we doing tonight, Adam? Love it, man. Episode 30. I'm doing really well. Mike, you ready to get into episode 30? 40 chess? Man, it's so crazy. 30. When I was typing it out today, I was like, this can't be real. I had to go back and look. Really? 30 episodes. Wow, man. Training camp in full swing swing this week, man. The news is coming in hot and heavy. I know when we were doing our AMA on Tuesday night. Holy hell, man. So much news to get into. But tonight, Adam, I figure episode 30, right? We got a little bit bigger following, more people tapping in, more people tuning in. Why make you go all the way back to episodes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5? And let's just recap some of our philosophies behind how we dynasty and our new and improved focus on best ball because we have such a passion for dynasty best ball and how we would apply that to best ball so adam you ready to dive into some of this tonight love it man let's get back to the basics the four d's if you will michael Mm, the four d's one of the four d's choosing your direction adam with training camps opening season starting redrafters coming back People in your dynasty leagues who have been dead for the last seven months (laughs) haven't been paying attention to anything. Right now, the trade offers are popping. People are looking at their teams. Now is the best time to pick a damn direction on what you're doing. I know some people just like to go in every single year and try to push it. And Good on you if you can make that work for you. For Adam and I, we really only pick one or two directions, right? We're either all in. Well, we're all out. <laughs> we're either rebuilding or we're trying to contend and win the money this year. It's the old adage, you know, shit or get off the pot. And one yes, of the sir. reasons, Adam, I think that we say that we need to start picking a direction right now is because of being first to the party gives you such an advantage over the field. Like, you know, specifically when them picks start to dry up, <laughs> if you're choosing rebuilding. Or those veteran pieces that you can get, you know, on the cheap or at a discount start to dry up. 
man, you're you find yourself overpaying taking bad deals that you wouldn't normally do. So if you can actually be first to the party and kind of set the market, that gives you a huge advantage going forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think too, man, you, you're hitting on some good points here. And, and this is why the direction discussion is so crucial today, right? Training camp's coming around. Like you said, the redraft crowd, all those people are going to start coming back. Dynasty Degenerates, if this is your first or even your second year in Dynasty, you're going to notice very quickly, whether it's right now, a week from now, two weeks from now, you will notice there's going to be an actual pendulum shift where all these young, youthful guys that everybody's been hyping up since the pre-draft process, six months, seven months of this, all of a sudden, the guys that are going to help you win right now, those are the guys that are going to be all of a sudden the pieces everybody wants. So, the reason I think it's good to talk about direction right now, Mike, is we talk about this all the time. If you're unsure what your direction is, I'm here to tell you, you ain't a fucking contender. Like if you don't know that you're a contender, Dynasty Degenerates, you are not a contender. If you're close to one and you think you're a trader to away, that's fine. But go ahead and make sure that you're doing that. Do not get stuck in the middle. We hate getting stuck in the fucking middle. Pick a direction. If you don't know that you're a contender, you're not a contender. And right now is a very good time if the picks aren't picked over, if a lot of other people in your leagues have not picked a direction where you can exploit some values and go ahead and rebuild. And maybe the rebuild won't actually be that long for you. Maybe you only have to do it for a year or two, but you can soak up some values right now. Yeah, I don't think there's anything worse than being like the seventh or eighth pick in your rookie draft every single year. It's got to be one of the most disgusting feelings out there because in general, I mean, you can get some hits at those picks, right? We, we've seen some guys who are picked 11th and 12th, you know, become huge successes. But your odds generally go down. Like your value chart, if there was one, from the first pick to the eighth pick is usually going to go down, right? It, it, you're trying to capitalize on, this, like, think about this class, man. Like how valuable or where does Brees Hall go in startup drafts versus – Somebody like Chris Olave or somebody like James Cook, you know, the the seventh, eighth pick this year. It's night and day difference between the two, like the returns you can fetch. So you're not winning money, you're not cashing out, and you're not getting a valuable rookie where you can kickstart a rebuild or become a real impact player on your team immediately. So, man, you you got to make them tough choices. You got to go like, all right, I'm probably like the fourth or fifth best team in the league. I know some people like to play the variance. I'm not here to do it. Like if I'm the fourth or the fifth best, and like you said, Adam, if I, if I don't have like one or two trades that are within the realm of possibility of me making reasonable to, to put me in that elite echelon, the top three teams, I'm going, hey, this just ain't it for me. Anything that's not tied down or is antithetical to my rebuild – gotta go (laughs) gotta go those running backs they gotta go those older wide receivers they gotta go (laughs) i'm just looking to capitalize on as much value as possible and build it up over the next couple years where i'm i'm gonna go into like year two year three with this treasure trove of assets you know through guys that i've drafted through draft picks i've accumulated guys that i've stashed and all of a sudden got crazy value bumps and the moves that i make 
I mean, we talk about one of the big things that we like to do in rebuilding is it gives you a lot of flexibility, right? Injuries happen. Somebody tears their ACL or tears their Achilles in training camp, which is probably going to happen. If you're not necessarily going for it, you can buy that guy on the cheap and just stash him, right? It helps you not score any points this year, get you a better draft pick, and that guy's going to come back next year for you. So these are the things I always look at and take into account when I'm going like, hmm, should I push in or should I not, right? I get that nice flexibility if I go rebuild, my butthole gets really tight if I got to go contend because I don't want a lot of things to go wrong, right? I can't afford a lot of mishaps. Yeah, absolutely. And, man, what you just hit on, see, that's such a good point because, Mike, we're doing Dynasty Trade Show, right? We're doing all these things. We're tapped in as we can be. And, Mike, think about the news that just happened yesterday. Think about how if you're rebuilding, if you decide to take that early enough, Mike, we saw a guy, Julio Jones, come back from the dead for some people and an egregious trade in my opinion like listen if julio fires on a contender and you're willing to send something for him great but we just saw him go for a second round pick mike i thought those days were over and and the point i think here is if you take the rebuild path not saying you have to only take the rebuild path obviously the whole goal at the end of the day is to win eventually push yourself to a contender but if it's not right now the rebuild path helps you become a contender when it's time versus just being middle of the road for the next two years and continuing to think you're a contender when you're not. So if you can take the rebuild path right now and you can flip guys like Julio Jones, I mean, even as much as Zeke could be a good player in people's lineups and best ball, especially if you're going to rebuild, Zeke's got to go guys like that, right? You can get value when you trade them at the right time. So how do you decide if you need to hit the reset button? Right? How do you evaluate your team and go like, man, I need to, I need to punt this thing. <laughs> I need to kick this thing, kick this thing in the bucket, kick it in the bucket, and 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 jumpstart my rebuild right now. For me, Adam, the first thing I always look at because everything I do is super flex. I don't play in one QB leagues. I have no desire to play in one QB leagues. I look at the quarterback position. How are my quarterbacks now? I don't necessarily need elite assets you know I don't in a, in a lineup league I don't necessarily need a you know a Josh Allen and a Justin Herbert and a you know two top eight quarterbacks that's nice if I have them but you know if I'm rocking like a Kirk Cousins and maybe a Justin Fields what's my third quarterback <laughs> who's the guy that I'm relying on as my third quarterback you know because what if Kirk Cousins has a bad year or gets hurt or what if Justin Fields has a bad year or gets hurt who's coming in to replace him like, who's filling in in the bye week as well? Like, who's taking over? If the answer is somebody like, you know, I'm, I'm relying on, you know, maybe Teddy Bridgewater be getting a starting gig at some point, yikes. No thanks. Now, if the answer is Yuck. something like something, um, you know, like a Ryan Tannehill as my third option. Okay, okay. Not the greatest, right? But at least it's not like full-on panic I need to sell right now I need to get rid of this but if I have something yeah. decent as a third option I'm okay in a best ball league Adam for me if I don't have elite options at the top I want those multiple mid-tier guys who I think are going to start right so I may have four or five Jared Goffs but I'm okay with it <laughs> it's 
not all of them have to be great. I just need weeks here and there from each of them consistently. And, and they will provide that as long as I'm relatively sure they'll have a starting job. Is it the same for you or do you differ on that at all? Do you, do you start somewhere else when you're evaluating your team on how you want to, if you need to rebuild, if you need to, you know, kick the can down the road essentially? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say this, I, Quarterback obviously is a big one in Superflex uh, because it's such a hard one to just go get without sending one away, Mike. If you don't have adequate depth, like you're talking about, if your quarterback three is not someone that you can say right now has a very good chance to start the full season, at, at minimum, like, you need to think long and hard about what you're doing because you're an injury away from what What are you going to do? Like If you put a Superflex spot, Mike, as a non-quarterback, even if the rest of your lineup is nice, you're at such a big disadvantage as a contender. So I think, Mike, one of the things that I would say for me in playing and learning is depth, whether it's lineup or best ball, is something that's so often overlooked. And I think a lot of times the failed contenders, Mike, it, it comes down to not right now. What, what is everyone doing right now? There, there aren't that many injuries. Everybody's looking at their starting lineup. Oh man, I got Dalvin Cook and I got Aaron Jones and I got all these guys like ready to go. And then okay, when we do a team review, Mike, what do we do? We scroll Look down. At the bench. Let's see the what's bench on the first. bench. Yes. What's on the bench and what's in your Trevor your treasure your treasure chest of picks, right? I want to know what happens if you have three things go wrong in your starting lineup. And a lot of times the contenders that people think they have, you say okay, Aaron Jones goes down, Dalvin Cook goes down, Darren Waller goes down. Mike, that's not crazy to say three guys on your team get hurt. If you play dynasty or fantasy football, you know that injuries happen. COVID happens. Things happen. What's your plan? Like, if you don't have enough depth, Mike, I think that's the first place you need to be very real about what you're going to do. Because if you don't have adequate depth, you damn sure better have some picks that you can push into if you if that happens. Otherwise, Mike, there is nothing worse than the failed contender. Let me just say that. Part of the reason I urge to pick Rebuilder if you're not ready to contend is because if you think you're going to be a contender and you push your picks in and you don't have depth and all of a sudden you have guys that either cliff or get hurt and you're gifting someone a top four or five pick and you don't have youthful pieces to like get yourself into a rebuild, it's one of the worst positions to be in Dynasty. Dynasty Degenerates, I beg you to think about this now before the season starts and the attrition starts. I think back to last year, some of the teams I had where I was going in just thinking, man, I'm I am absolutely stacked at running back. You know, I've got Miles Sanders. I've got Cam Akers. I've got J.K. Dobbins. I got Travis Etienne. Who's going to fuck with me with these four running backs? And then, you know, Adam, before the season kicks off, I've already lost three of them. <laughs> like I'm Mike, just like, oh, what? You're making the me. Hell? You're making me pour up a nice little heavy one here, because um, I I know that feeling all too well, right? Where you you have this plan. Listen, I I'll, I'll be honest, Dynasty Degenerates. I had one team, especially last year, that Acres got hurt in training camp. Dobbins got hurt. Waller later on gets hurt. Baker Mayfield in a 14 team league, like isn't doing anything for you because he gets an injury. And even though he's playing through it, Mike, what, what do we know? He, he did. Yeah. Baker Mayfield did not win. He, him being in your lineup was actually more harmful than anything week in and week out last year. Yeah. It was so, pretty gross. I mean, yeah. And I think this is a point though, like 
this is not me trying to preach like I know when you guys don't. It, I, from experience, like understand this is from experience of being burned thinking, man, this team is so good. Looking at this team in July and August, saying to yourself, this team is going to be awesome. Mike, it was about this time last year. Game makers, tears Achilles. They haven't even played a game. J.K. Dobbins, Harbaugh's being going for the, the win record in preseason. Leaving J.K. out there. His season's over. Akers' season's over. Like, that's before the season starts, let alone what's going to happen when the games are actually being played. So, you, I think the one of the biggest things in picking your direction, if I'm going to contend, Mike, you're correct. It's super flex. I need to know that I have quarterback and I need to have quarterback depth. At running back, especially for me, the way I look at this sometimes is different than a lot of people. Um, Dynasty Degenerates, if this is not you, understand this is the way I, I approach it. I need to have at least one top 12 guy, minimum. And I probably want to have two guys that I think have a realistic chance to be RB1s, top 12 running backs. I also need to have depth at that position because, Mike, that position, as we know, is one that's going to be injury riddled. And then I need to have, like, I don't think you have to have, for me on a contender, I don't have to have Chase or, or CD or Jefferson. But I do need to have two top 15 guys, two top 20 guys for sure. And then whether it's lineup or best ball, I mean, if it's best ball, Mike, I need to have six, eight receivers that are in the top 50. Like if you don't have depth in best ball, you're not contending period. Hey, you're dead. I mean, we, we did a podcast not too long ago that just showed it. It's the consistency, the spike weeks, everything. You want more shots at it that you can get. So that's where depth becomes so important. Depth in lineup leagues, I would say it's it's you need some in the smaller ones, the start nine. You know, I see a lot of start nine leagues out there. You need some, you just don't need to overdo it. But like in those start thirteen, start fourteen, like some of the leagues we play in, it's absolutely necessary, man. You almost have to treat it like a best ball in a way, right? From a roster construction standpoint, where you're going, I just need dudes. I need dudes that I can plug in. Every week, every week. And the more dudes I can get that I'm sure about their production or reasonably sure about their production, not just throwing fucking lawn darts and hoping that this guy catches a touchdown pass this week, those are the kind of guys I want. So especially at the wide receiver position on those leagues, like I'm not putting all my assets into, you know, the the elite guys. The Chases, the Jeffersons, the CD Lambs. I'm more looking forward to like, I want like four, five, six guys I can get who are like, I think are going to be top 36 wide receivers or better. Uh, just because the tier flattens out so much after like 13, 14, down to like 40. Just give me five, six of these guys where I can just plug in every single week and keep churning. Running back position. I'm with you. The, the way I like the dynasty, I do like to get two two guys who I think could be top 12. Ideally, I'd love to have three, sometimes four. Um, that doesn't always lend itself <laughs> to fruition. Like Sometimes you can't get that. But I'm not one who's like, oh, I'm going to take a J.D. McKissick or I'm going to take a Naheem Hines or I'm going to take all these handcuffed running backs and hope something bad happens to the starter. Like. I don't want to build my core running backs around though. I want to build them around guys that I'm reasonably sure of, 
But at the same time, Adam, we can acknowledge that the running back position sometimes our focus on it comes back and bites us in the ass, like I talked about earlier. Akers, ETN, J.K. Dobbins. What a string of bad luck. I'm still willing to do it again this year. I'm still willing to do it again and heavily invest in the running back position as long as people will still give me values on wide receivers. Like That's the most easily attainable position in all of Dynasty is the wide receiver position, so why would I focus all my assets on it where, man, if I need to sure up wide receiver later, I can get really good wide receivers for just second-round picks. I can get really good starting wide receivers for late first that people just think are an afterthought, you know, and part of it's the 23 class, but the same same usually applies year, year in and year out. But the quarterback position is probably the toughest position to get a good one at. Like, like people throw away Daniel Jones and Jared Goff all the time. People aren't giving away Kirk Cousins and Derek Carrs and Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> like, they're not willy-nilly with those guys. So no. that's why my focus – in in whether I want to contend or rebuild starts there because I know it's so damn hard to go get them if I need them. So if I'm not already going in with a reasonable situation, man, I'm, I'm hitting the reset. (laughs) Let me get the hell out of this one. Yeah. I I think too, um, you know, I love the fact that the destination Debbie team is just growing and getting bigger and adding more things and, doing so much um if you haven't checked out eric vanek and scott connor's podcast uh they've got two episodes out right now really go give it a listen because they talked about roster construction in one and mike i think that's such a big thing is like we'll get into this a little deeper in another episode uh rehashing but understanding your league but really quickly mike if you have a start 12 13 right roster and it's lineup and you talked about how it's more like a best ball league well, and the thing is this, right? In a league like that, it's so unlikely, even if you continue to add depth because of injuries, because of how many you're going to have to start in bye weeks, that you're going to be like really pressed with all these lineup decisions because you're starting 13, 14 guys sometimes, man. Like, you, If you have a, a decision to make at start 14, good for you because you are probably going to win your fucking league. Like if you have decisions week in and week out now, and that's not if you if you just have all mediocre guys and you're starting the shitters, sure. But I mean, if you're having like real discussions of top tier guys in a start fourteen, you're gonna probably win the league. But the difference, Mike, if you go to like a start nine, start ten, right? You don't want to push the depth out too far because you don't want to wake up every Sunday and decide, you know, which of these four top twenty four wide receivers am I gonna pick every single week and like just mind fuck yourself out of picking the wrong ones week in and week out. So those are, I guess, some of the things I think about when I'm trying to decide, am I contending or not? But ultimately, Mike, I think with the direction talk here, if you go through and your depth's not adequate, if you go through and you don't have the actual horses at the quarterback position in Superflex, like if you're going to be realistic with yourself, Dynasty Degenerates, and say, man, I just, when I stack this team up, against the rest of the league, if I don't look at it with rose-colored lenses, is it really not a top three team? If, you, if you're being honest with yourself and that's the case, the quicker you can actually off some of the older pieces and get to a form of a rebuild, 
you will be so much better off to contend when you're actually ready to. And that I think is the big takeaway here for me, Mike, is when you're ready to contend, you should be contending. Everybody at the end of the day wants to win their league, but don't go try to win your league when you're not ready to. Yeah. I, you know, I've seen some things out there too. Like if you make the playoffs, you only got like a 30% chance to win the whole thing. And you know, just all the numbers behind it in lineup leagues, best ball is a little bit different. I think you can greatly increase those odds just by sheer number of depth and roster construction, because there's still so many avenues out there where you can get an advantage over your, your opponents. But you hit the nail on the head with the being objective with your team and taking a step back and going, how does this stack up versus the rest of the league? And being brutally honest, I know so many people are like, oh, you know, I'm going to get all that running back one production Rashad Penny, you know, gave me last year to end the season. I'm going to get that again this year. You know, he, he did you guys not see what he did? And it's Come like, on. this is your RB1, man. Come on. Stop it. Stop it. Please stop it. I think another thing that comes into play, we've, do, we've done a metric ton of, of team reviews over on our Patreon league size really does come into play here too, whether or not you're a contender, because I see everybody who's like, I got this fire team for you guys to review and it's a 10 team league, Adam. And in a 10 team league, most of the teams look really good. (laughs) Like I I rarely see a bad team in a 10 team league, right? Because there's so many less players being drafted or rostered. Like if you think of a, 30 a uh, 30 man roster right uh kind of traditional not too deep not too shallow in a 12 team league versus a 10 team league that's 60 more players adam in the player pool throughout the startup draft that you get to get you know th- that's more stars towards the top in a 14 team league it's it's even worse for for the the people who are contending cuz they're like well compared to everybody else you know, I think I'm about average. Well, most teams in a 14-team league have like a weakness somewhere or another, and they all kind of look shitty at some point. Right, right. <laughs> this, right for sure. We don't see too many 14-team league teams where you're like, holy hell, this is a goon squad. I think if I was in a 14-team league and I definitely was approaching like goon squad territory, I didn't have a lot of weaknesses, I think that on the flip side would be the indicator for me to go, yeah, I'm going to make a push and I'm going to go see what I can buy right now and add some depth and sure some things up because I know that just about every other team in the league is struggling so damn much. So a little bit of a caveat there with the the league size, how it comes into play on whether I make a decision to go in or out. Uh, I think I only play in one 10-team league too. So a little bit of a different one too where it's like, yeah. you know, start two quarterback and one super flex spot so you could start three quarterbacks so adds an interesting dynamic the only reason i play in it but generally i like to stick to the 12 teams i'm vanilla <laughs> let me stick with the vanilla right i like it missionary i'm basic That's i'm missionary basic. with the lights off right <laughs> That's how i roll uh oh adam i think i think right now though is the prime time that I really just want to drive home to the listeners, to the Dynasty Degeneres, to you guys listening, that you need to be doing this evaluation process of your team. And and one of the huge things that we talked about, Adam had mentioned, was what's your treasure trove of assets? Like, do you have a lot of 
rookies or value gainers potentially that you can move. You know, if you're sitting on uh, Eric Vanek, you, you brought him up. Perfect one. Best ball league that we did with Ray. And we look at some of the teams, and, and I don't think he's the strongest team in that league, Adam, but he's near the top, right? Right, but sure. The one advantage that I think Eric has over the other people who are contenders in that league is Eric has some elite young assets, and he still has draft picks, right? So he mm-hmm. has a good team to start, maybe not as strong as a couple other teams, but he has cow pits. He has Justin Fields. He has first-round picks where if he goes – Yep, I think I'm ready to make a push for it. He can buy players up where those other teams can't. They're loaded with older assets that the rebuilders aren't going to want. Right. If if Eric goes like, I'm ready to sell Kyle Pitts, I'm ready to sell Justin Fields, I'm ready to sell off my first, he's going to have five or six buyers lined up at his door. <laughs> hey, uh, what about my offer? Is this one the best? And he gets to pick and choose where he wants to go, right? Yeah. If you're trying to sell off Michael Thomas <laughs> to go get more assets on a rebuilder, I'm like, nah, fuck you, man. <laughs> like, I don't want to touch Michael Thomas. This is this is gross. Get the hell out of here. What I'll do I want this fourth. for? I'll give yeah. you a fourth. <laughs> the only so, way I would take him is if I have to, if I think I can flip him for more. And then I still have the risk of what if I don't. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's uh when we talk about like treasure trove, it's not just draft picks. It's not just future right. draft capital that you have, but keep in mind young assets coming up. If for some reason you have like Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks on your team, you can count that as an asset who may ascend. You know, if they both have a or one of them has a big game early on in the season, the hype will build and rebuilders will go, hey, maybe I'll make my core around this player. You know, and they'll be interested to sell off maybe some of their vets that are still lingering around. So. Keep that in mind when you're evaluating your team and looking at your quote-unquote treasure trove of assets that the young players, the ascending ones, can also be counted in there as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, and then, Mike, let, let's get to it, all right? So you, you've, you've addressed your team, right? Obviously, if you have the horses, if you're ready to contend, do not, do not over-4D this thing. Go contend, go win the league. That's the whole idea. At some point to go win. If that's if it's as simple as that, check that off the box. Go contend. Do what you need to to shore up your team in depth and assets so that you are not going to be the failed contender. And you know, you're gonna end up screwed if you have a few bad things break your way. Now let's get to it though, Mike, because if you are someone that's looking at your team, Dynasty Degenerates, you're going through and you're thinking, man. Like, I really want to contend in this league. I want to, but I don't think I'm a top, I don't think I'm a top three team. What do you do? And, and Mike, I think this is something in, in Dynasty Degenerates, like, I get a lot of pushback on this or just thoughts of, you know, people that are not sure how to do this, right? Well, what if I end up, like, getting the pick and it, it busts? What if I draft Jalen Rager? Because I take Nick Chubb and I trade Nick Chubb for, two first and I, I one of them ends up being late and I take Jalen Rager and I burn it well okay stop right there you already lost me if you're trading Nick Chubb right now and you're getting a f- two first or what a first and a second or even just a, a single first why are you already worried about who you're drafting you do realize that draft pick is a number it's a 
It's a key. It's a pass to the draft. You do not have to, when you trade that, make that trade, you do not have to pick whatever that pick number ends up being. It's a finite asset of one of 12 or one of 14 of one of 10 when whatever your league is. It's an asset. It has a value. And it's going to have no chance of going down, Mike. It's an asset. Do not think, oh my God, I have to draft Jalen Rager. Now, you're going to have some in a rebuild where you are going to draft. That's a different discussion here. We have the four Ds. Drafting's one. We'll touch on that more. But when you're going to the direction of rebuild, the idea that I'm going to take these picks and I don't know what I'm going to do and I, it's unsure who am I going to have and how's it, how am I going to fit it all in your lineup, stop thinking that far ahead. You, we'll get there. But right now, you're accumulating assets that are youthful and likely to go up in value. Draft picks have no chance of getting hurt. Everybody in your roster, I don't care who it is, Mike, has a chance of getting hurt and value loss. Now, there are certain studs that are only going to lose so much value. You know, if Josh Allen misses half a season, he's not going to drop outside the top three, top five for sure, right? Maybe in the season, though, you, there's a little buy window, but it's not going to be anything crazy. No one's trading Josh Allen away for anything crazy, but Mike, Cam Akers last year was a early second, late first round starter before he got hurt. Everybody thought this is a useful guy. Like, this is a this is an asset that I like a lot. Guy tears his Achilles, and all of a sudden he's a seventh, eighth, ninth round startup pick. J.K. Dobbins saying that any player can lose value significantly. A draft pick does not hold that type of risk. The only time, like I think, some people might push back and go like, "Hey, Adam, well, what about this year's class? You know, twenty twenty two is a a shitty class, right? You sure. Know, when the NFL draft happened, didn't that draft pick lose value before your rookie draft? Not really. Not really. It just wasn't as hyped up as it was. In general, for the Dynasty community, I mean, you we saw it all over the place in doing the trade show and reviewing trades and talking with our patrons, talking with the patrons at Destination Devi. The 2022 class, you still had people doing like wild shit in there where, where we were like, hey, this class is boo-boo after like this part. I'm, I'm not too interested in it. And you still had people paying up for the 108 you <laughs> still had people paying up for the 110 just i gotta know, go pay, get sky pay. more yeah I, got, I gotta get christian watson on my team i just have to you know i'm a mm-hmm. big christian watson fan or whatever the hell the reason was and we still see it in adp right uh not to the level that 2021 was right we had almost two rookies going in the first round of startup adp last year trevor lawrence and Najee harris correct Trey Lance, Justin Fields, you know, those guys were going in like the second round. But do you remember like Jamar Chase, where he was going? Like fifth round, Adam. Yeah, fourth, fifth round. Fourth, fifth round, easy. Where's Drake London going this year? Fourth round. Fourth round. Where's Garrett Wilson going? Fifth, sixth round. Fifth, sixth. Kenneth Walker, fourth, fifth round. Yeah, fifth. Like they're still pushed up there. Brees Hall is just not a first round startup like it was last year. He's more of a mid to late second. So right. there's still those guys sprinkled out there. The class as a whole didn't lose a shit ton of value unless you're playing in a league with like nothing but people who are tapped into the space and you know, we're doing patron leagues or, you know, Ray's firing up a patron league with a bunch of us and Heisman. That case, yes. 
the class, right. the, the draft pick lost value at him after the NFL draft happened, and people were like, "Nope, this class is dog shit. I'm out." But as a whole, for the community, no, it didn't lose value. It, it actually just gained, and it was steady. And you know, it's like uh, investing in like bear bonds. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're not going down; they're only going well, up. And, and and the truth is too, Mike. Um, the same actually holds true for other classes as well, even even stud classes. And, and this is the thing with an asset of a draft pick: there are going to be windows. I don't care if it's twenty twenty two, if it's twenty twenty three, which is obviously the level of hype for twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three could not be more different, right? Twenty twenty two was had stank around it for a while, but even there, Mike, twenty twenty two. There was a time when, obviously, after the draft, when only Kenny Pickett went in the first round, that everybody that was saying the class was stank was clearly correct, and the values became almost one quarterback in the 2022 class. Now, if you, but the thing is here, Mike, is if you held it all the way there. Like, if you were someone that believed at any point that, like, I don't really want a lot of this class, Mike, there was plenty of rookie hype before the draft happened where you can trade out of that draft pick right? Constantly. I mean, Mike, there, there's, it's the a dynasty cycle is real, right? In March, when there's nothing until the combine, like there is just so much hype around rookies and chances to trade out of picks. It's just the way it goes. So it's also what your tolerance is for stuff. And when you're finding the right time to trade said assets, you do not have to hold. Here's the thing. When you make a trade for whatever player you do right now, you want to go rebuild. And you take on whatever pick it is, a 23 first, a 24 first. When you make that trade, you do not have to hold that pick, draft a player, and then hold that player until it's Jalen Rager and he's dead right now. Like that, You are not committing to that long of a holding of one asset, whatever it is, player or pick. Like There are multiple times to move it and move it accordingly to what you want to do. Yeah, I think instead of you... Instead of thinking of it as like physical currency, like you you sell off Nick Chubb and somebody gives you five bucks, right? Right. Instead of like, oh, I you got to find something to do with this five bucks. You're more investing in like a stock that's guaranteed to go up and be right. worth more than five bucks when you go to cash it in. Might right. be worth six, might be worth ten, might be worth twenty five. Maybe you hit the one hundred and one with that pick. <laughs> that that person turned out to be a failed contender. Now, if you want to draft a player, that's fine. I don't necessarily think these people who have like 9, 10, 11 future first, if you draft all those players, I think you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah. You should be exploring Odds are deals. not in your favor doing yeah. that, right. You should be exploring deals. Like maybe I take two and I go buy this proven player that I still think's on the ascension and this is going to be an integral piece to my team. Or maybe you get bold and you're like, and the odds of me hitting a, a stud quarterback with one of these picks and not somebody who's just mediocre or bust out is not very high. Maybe I go invest in a Joe Burrow or maybe I go invest in a Lamar Jackson and I just sure this up for the next three or four years. That's the way you should be approaching it with your treasure trove of picks when you go to rebuild. Not thinking like, oh, you know, I'm only going to hit on like three out of the six, you know, 50%. It's probably right. You probably only do hit on fifty percent, but you don't have to make those picks. Correct. You can trade them at any time, like you said, Adam. Doesn't matter. 
rookie hype hits its its peak and we're all sitting around doing nothing but watching the combine and guys running gym shorts and you're like, oh, did you see that guy run a 4-3? Oh my gosh, he's going to be elite. Boom. This is the pick it should probably be taken at. I'll sell this one. You know, I'll sell the yes. 104. Here we go. <laughs> yes. Fielding offers. And, and it's a blend, right, Mike? Like it's a blend of figuring out your tolerance, your risk tolerance, um, what you want to do, and also understanding that when you have all these picks, right, when the football season ends, Mike, so right now we're getting ready, like we're talking, I'm talking about the football season ending when we've just went through this, what feels like gruesome stretch of no football. So let me just, we're excited for football coming around here, right? Real excited. But football season will end like it always does. And at that point, the dynasty space is just craves picks, youth, and all those players that we've just seen all summer, right? So there's a couple things here with the draft, right? There's never going to be a cheaper time. Like you talked about for your contenders, you want to have really good quarterback play. You want to be secure at that position. You don't want to have to get bent over by someone in your league because, Oh shit, I don't have a quarterback and I got to pay out the nose. And now it's going to be antithetical to me contending because I just gave up so much of my depth to do so. But there's never going to be a cheaper time than in the draft to get a quarterback. Drafting a quarterback in the draft. Now, granted, there is a risk that you miss, but there's never going to be a cheaper time to draft and basically get a quarterback than in the rookie draft. So sometimes it's a matter of having the leverage there. I, I can take this quarterback or someone else is going to want this young quarterback or this young player, and they're going to come pay me for the pick way more than what I got when I sent away Nick Chubb for two or three assets, whatever it's going to be you're constantly playing up the values. Like you said, it's a stock. It's not just a stuck piece of physical asset. I think back to, we're talking about this where you say risk tolerance and like what you want to do in the future. I remember the 14 team league super flex league that I was in last year, Adam, where I had just like, like eight or nine, maybe 10 of the 14 picks. And I tried to move them, and nobody really wanted to, and nobody was giving me the offers that I want. So what decision did I make, Adam? I made the decision that it's a 14-team super flex league, and what you just said, this is the cheapest I'm ever going to get these quarterbacks. And yes, I may miss on some, but I'm just going to draft them all. I'll yep. take all fucking five. Right? And if you want a rookie quarterback, now you got to come to me. got to come to the house. I can sell any of them at any time that I want. And I've made some trades since then, and it's worked out for me. But, like, I kind of got my hand forced where people were like, oh, I'm not paying you. I'm not paying you pre-draft, pre-rookie draft for for this pick. You know, I'm not going to give you what you want. Well, that's fine. I'll force your hand afterwards. And when we get to August and we get to September and you start looking at your team and going, shit, I only have one quarterback. Like, the guy I'm directly competing with for the playoff has two or three, I need a quarter. Well, who's got quarterback? Oh, damn. Mike's got quarterbacks. <laughs> He's got who's, all the quarterbacks. Who, who, who's this McNutted that has all the 521 rookies? Who is this guy? So yeah, you I can, mean, you, you, you play the human them. element too, right? You're playing yeah. the human element up there, right? Because understanding your league mates, that's another episode we've done and we'll, we'll get into again. But, Mike, when you have these picks – you're sitting on something that it's not a finite thing, but eventually someone's going to say, man, that, that pick, like I want someone, someone at that spot. I want someone in that draft pack. And 
when you're talking about the human element, you don't know. You, you want to study up your league mates and learn as much as you can about them. But at the end of the day, your league mates, as much as you know, they're unpredictable to an extent. And they will be coming for some of the picks that you have as they build value and hype builds for said class. So my, I don't want to get too much into this one specific point here, but I do want to say do not be scared of just taking on draft picks as currency in a rebuild and, and taking on too many of them. I don't know what most people like to do. When, when I look at it from a portfolio standpoint, Adam, and, and it was the same last year, and I bet when the season kicks off this year, it'll probably be pretty similar for me where if I look at, you know, I think I'm up to 30 leagues now, something like that, so a nice number. But if I look at them, I can almost bet you, Adam, that 10 of them, I'll be balls deep, all in contender. Like, I'm I'm going for it, right? I, I've pushed most of my picks in. I probably still have a few just in reserve for ammunition in case I need it in season. Uh, right. Most of the young guys I've probably pushed in, except for a choice few, I'm just holding back in case I need something. You know, I haven't got a deal for. I'm waiting for the value to pop. The next 10 are probably like teams that are in year two or year three of being rebuilt where I've, I've, accu- I've accumulated all this asset. I'm not ready or the situation hasn't presented itself for me to, to make a push in. Like, I think they're right on the cusp, though. If somebody was, was to panic sell, like, after week two or week three, I think I'd be the one, if I had a good record, to be like, all right, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll buy a few and, you know, I'll see if I can't push this thing in right now. And then the other 10, the other 33%, Adam, are probably teams that I'm rebuilding, like like, in the process of selling off. Or I need to sell off. Like maybe I'm coming off a championship. My window's probably closed. I had some retirements. I had some injuries or whatever the case, you know, decline in play. I'm, I'm looking like really strongly about, man, I'm ready to, to, to break this thing up. Like I've already had it in my mind for months. I've just been holding out. Like we, we have said for a while too, if, if you're in a rebuilding team, rebuilding in like March, if you can get good deals, you know, I take good deals anytime. I take good deals anytime I can get. But you know, as well as, you know, the listeners know, there's some players that people just don't want to pay for because they have this stigma about them. So, like, Saquon Barkley is a prime one and one we get questions for all the time. Oh, what should I sell Saquon for? You know, somebody's offering me a, a, a random first. Nah, man, say no. <laughs> just pass. Saquon comes out weeks one or two and puts up close to 20 points or greater than 20 points. You know what happens to his value to those people on the contenders looking to make a push? He goes through the fucking roof. So you don't really need to sell in March when people are down on him. You can wait until August and September when that value starts to climb. So that's where I'm at on some of these teams where like I know I need to sell. And if you look at it, you're like, man, you got a lot of old pieces and, and you're going to, you call this a rebuilder? I'm like, well, this is a rebuilder and waiting. <laughs> this is a rebuilder until the value's right for I'm, me to do so. I'm playing possum until the, the values creep up. I'm not just going to sell <laughs> yes. you all these old guys at the worst time to sell them. You know, there's, there's the timing of it too. I think, Mike, as well, when you start talking about this, it, it brings me to so many different things on the rebuilder side as well as the contender side. But like when I think about this, from the standpoint of like all the different ways you can acquire value throughout the year. Like you're just taking 
when you're rebuilding, you're taking all the assets. I don't care if it's a player or a pick, whatever it is, you're just trying to continually build value. And you have the flexibility of not caring if, like, I don't have to have, I don't have, and I'll rebuild, I don't have to have three quarterbacks anymore. Like, I don't have to have Ryan Tannehill as a, as a backup and like, oh my God, if I don't have Ryan Tannehill, what do I do? You're rebuilding. You don't need to have it. Like it gives you a different level of flexibility to just take values over and over. And all you're doing throughout the season is injuries happen. Uh, players disappoint. Like maybe they're having a f- Brandon Ayuk last year, right? He's not even hurt. The dude's in the doghouse. Like, and he's young. Somebody on your team that you've been wanting to move at receiver that you can't, it's like, let me go hit up this contender who's not getting Brandon Ayuk production. Hey, buddy, you know, c- come get my Calvin Ridley. Throw me a plus. Oh, shit, now you sent Calvin Ridley away, and all of a sudden the dude's out of the league for a year and a half. Like, there's so many different ways on the rebuilding side to pick up value. And there's also that question of, like, Mike, you, you brought this up a little bit. When I'm rebuilding, how do I know? When do I get out of the rebuild? Like, what? how do I know when I'm supposed to rebuild, Adam? Okay, one, to me, like it, you're going to do it until it gets to the point where it's pretty clear. Or it's like, I'm getting so much value and this team's actually sh- shaping up. And then on top of it, you're going to be sitting on futures maybe in a year or two out. Guess what? Somebody is going to be desperate if your team is getting better and ready for cont- for contention. And then you're sitting on those rookie picks as well. So like, don't be afraid of, oh, when's it going to happen? It may take a year. It may take two. But if you do the right things, you make the correct direction play now you do all the other four d's you're utilizing the diligence the dealing the drafting if you do that for a year or two you will be shocked i'm telling you you'll be shocked how quickly some of these turnarounds can happen mike and before i get out of this point i'm going to make this one because you've done it i've done it we've seen it time and time again where your timeline may end up being expedited because your league panics from you having all the assets that are youthful and bountiful that everybody wants in dynasty. Like we've had teams where we're planning to rebuild for another season. And it's like, you got four or five picks in this draft. Like shit, man, I'm just going to take these guys or I'm going to trade away for futures again. And I'm going to keep bankrolling this value. But then all of a sudden, like you're getting offers for these picks from studs. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I make this deal. And then if I see if this guy will make this deal, now all of a sudden I get Aaron Jones and I get a Saquon Barkley, right? All of a sudden, oh shit, now we're really cooking with gas. Now now my timeline was expedited because you're able to make the right moves by having these assets. Hey, the, that is one of the beauties of it where you don't have to force it, right? Either you get to the point where your team is just loaded top to bottom with young up-and-coming youthful assets and draft picks and you're like, geez, man, I got to start like tearing up. I got to start packaging a few of these guys. I just don't have the damn roster space. My taxi right. squad is full of guys that should be on my active roster. I just, I ain't got a choice here. I'm or you get, on taxi. Or you get to that point where you were talking earlier about the the swings in values and, and rookies and young players being so damn valued around draft and the combine in March, pretty much through all the summer. And then we get to August, and, and it's not that they fade away so much, but all the love for the vets start coming back. All and it, it, Dynasty is a small space in the fantasy football community as a whole, right? Most of fantasy football is redraft. 
And when the redraft pods start kicking off in full swing, the redraft shows on TV, the YouTube, all of that content starts coming back and it starts getting pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. They're not talking so much about the rookies, right? They're not talking about, oh, which rookie should you draft in your redraft re- league in round five that's going to win it? No one gives a shit. They're talking about the the vet. They're talking about the guy, the wide receiver in round eight or round nine, you know, that's going to win your league for you or, or the tight end to take in round six that, that's going to win your league. Those are vets. Those are established guys. So everybody starts hearing it, and the psychology of it is, oh, man, like this is all I'm hearing about. This is all I'm hearing about. And that's what beat reporters, Twitter, that's what they're reporting on. They're reporting on the vets and their situations going on. The rookies had their time, right? You may have a few that stand out at camp, and you'll get some reports about it, but 90% of the stuff we're going to hear is going to be about veteran players. That That's what everyone's concerned about. So that's why their value increases so exponentially once we get closer to kickoff. So if you're rebuilding, that's the time that I like to sell. That's the time when it's in everybody's mind and everybody's thinking about, man, I need to make a run this year, and I've been hearing nothing but good things about Aaron Jones. Boom. This is the time for me to get off Aaron Jones. In the springtime, that's when the rookie picks, like you're talking about, if you have this treasure trove of them, that's all we're going to talk about. We're all we're going to talk about is scouting combine and who ran fast and you know pro day workouts and and who went in the NFL draft and where we should do it now and then rookie OTAs and this is all we're going to talk about. That's when those picks that you've acquired carry the most weight. Where people are going like, well, shit, I I want to buy some rookie picks and what you mentioned, man, I've seen it happen. It's happened to me where I have just a shit ton of picks and I'm thinking, man, I'm still another year away. If I got to take these guys, I got to take these guys. I'd like to move them and, you know, maybe get some future years draft capital and maybe like a second round and, you know, something else and just keep multiplying it. But then somebody comes over the top and they're like, I'm going to give you this stud vet and I'm going to give you this other piece and all I want is like your first and your third. (laughs) What? That's it? Yeah, okay, here you go. And now I got one piece. And then somebody else sees me moving draft picks and like, oh, Mike's willing to move draft picks. So I got this stud vet. Let me trade you. (laughs) You know, let me do kind of a similar deal. And pretty soon you're looking at it, you went from a treasure trove of picks and and youthful players to, I'm not going to say like all old crusty guys, but you're looking like, man, I got like four or five running backs. I got five or six wide receivers. My quarterback situation is good, and I still have a few draft picks. What can I do with these other draft picks? You know, it just comes – there comes a time where either you're you're overloaded by your own doing or people are are, are coming to you because you're the only one, you know, with draft picks in the first place. So it's a beautiful thing when you rebuild to be in that position. So you don't really have to worry about, like, when do I do it – when you know, you know. <laughs> when you know, you know. It's going to happen for you. It's going to be so damn obvious that you can't, you can't miss it. And, and Mike, Mike, what's crazy is the, the irony. Um, like 4D Chess, right? The 4D Chess podcast. We started this off, this episode, talking about how bad the failed contender is, right? And if you don't make the direction pick quickly and you're in the failed contender spot, Mike, you smell that? Smells like desperation. Yeah. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. What happens when you fail to contend is there's like this pit in your stomach 
I fucked up. I fucked this up and there's panic. There's panic of how do I rebuild? There's this eager desire, the human element to fix this mess you created. And a lot of times, this is why it's so important direction talk, Mike, because if you decide to rebuild appropriately ahead of the time, like you talked about, we know the value is going to basically continue to go up until March time. You get, you make two trades. You have three firsts. You now are sitting in a leverage piece come March. Make another trade. You got four firsts. You're sitting on a leverage point that's baked into additional on top of the value you're picking up with just the said pick so that when you're going to March, guess who, when the scenario that we're talking about happens, Mike, is when there's two or three failed contenders that are desperate and they have old pieces and they're trying to figure out how to maneuver and get younger and you're able to take advantage of the fact that you rebuilt earlier and they fucked up and failed contend. So now you're in the position of, I'm going to play these cards. I'm going to just take these picks if no one's going to give me the value or I'm going to hold and hold and hold until people are like, Mike's got five picks in the first round, four picks in the first round. I got to get some of these picks off of them. And then all of a sudden you 4D that by dealing. And next thing you know, Mike is sitting on not five players in the 2022 rookie class, the 2023 rookie class. He's sitting on five players with secured value in your lineup. And now you have a contender ahead of the timeline that you set out for yourself. So I think that's one of the things to think about is when you go to rebuild, like there's so many different things that can happen. And ultimately you're just continuing to play up the dynasty value until the time is forced correct for you. Last thing we'll touch on and then we'll bounce out of here is, is the rebuilder in best ball, right? Because we have so, so much of a focus now on best ball. One of the things yes. One of the things I see in best ball, um, some people doing on their rebuilders or their productive struggles that I don't agree with and I wanted to point out is they're taking some of these like middling players. So like think like a uh, Jarvis Landry, Adam, or think of like Marquez Valdez scaling. I see them taking them in the startup and, and I'm fine if you take like, you know, just a few of them. You take two, three, four, you know, at max. But I'm seeing some teams with like six, seven, eight. Like, are you going to be able to move all these guys? Like, if you know your league that well that you're like, I can move them. You know, I have a plan. I have a plan to get off of and move them. That's great. That That's great. If you can do it, fantastic for you for capitalizing on that value in, in the startup and taking them where you did and then being able to move off them and follow the plan. I just want to point out that I see some people doing it and they obviously don't have a plan. And then I see them get stuck with them for an entire year. And what those players are doing are making your lineup scoring points and making your draft capital, your pick worse for the following year. And that is very detrimental to what you're doing. So when I do a rebuild in best ball, man, I want the points off of my team. I want the stud quarterbacks off of my team. I want the stud running backs off of my team. You know, the even the, the superstar wide receivers, I want them off of my team. I will invest in the up-and-coming wide receivers. I will invest in the Traylon Burks and the Garrett Wilsons and those kind of receivers. I don't want to invest too heavily in players that are going to score a shit ton of points and make my lineup. 
because every damn win that I get this year hurts me for the future. So I want to stay, uh, Scott and Eric talk about it, you know, and Scott talks about it a shit ton on dynasty and chill. So go check that one out too, because it's fantastic. But they talk about roster liquidity and Mm -hmm. being liquid in a best ball league on a rebuilder is hugely important, right? I don't want locked in assets. I don't want old guys that I can't move scoring me points. I want that value in draft capital or rookies who aren't scoring a shit ton of points or take a while to ramp up and are going to give me plenty of losses (laughs) up until that point where I can lock in a top selection in next year's rookie draft. So just something to keep in mind from my perspective that I see some people making that mistake in best ball and some of the leagues we do, it's like, you know, I'm perfectly fine. Adam, you've pulled it off in multiple leagues where you, you know, you, you go the productive struggle route and then like round nine or 10 and 11, you take a couple vets because you got incredible value on them, but you move off of them right away. You're not, you're not riding yeah, Allen right. Robinson to week seven. <laughs> you know nope. why Allen Robinson has scored fucking points in your, in not, your life. Not happening. You don't not want happening. that to happen. You're like, I'm going to draft Allen Robinson and then I'm going to talk tough and you know, Oh, it's going to cost a lot to get Allen Robinson. But <laughs> in, in your back of your mind, I know for a fact, you're like, can't wait to get off this bitch. I don't want to get. I don't want to get stuck holding them. I that's, don't want them to yeah, be scored. That's one of those that's burning in your mind. Like you, you have all these teams, right? And you're like, okay, shit, worldwide. Uh, Allen Robinson, he he's got to go. I'm not gonna panic just yet because it's July, but he he's got to be off my team by September. We got to figure this out. Like it's got to happen. So you you have those things in your mind. You're looking to play up, but right, you don't want to have too much investment on a rebuild in those players now. If you're going to draft according to value and trade later, fine. But you also don't want to set yourself up to be stuck with guys that are going to, one, score points in your lineup, which is not going to help you in best ball be worse. And two, like if you're rebuilding, Allen Robinson, listen, I think he's going to have a great season this year. Like if we're just using him as an example, right? I think he have a great season this year. But I don't know what his shelf life is. Like I don't know if he's on top of scoring points and being antithetical to what I'm trying to do and, and lose games. He also, by the time my team's ready to go, <laughs> may not be close to what his value is currently. He's certainly going to be lower, even if he still can be on the contending side. So, like you, you want to kind of think about that on both sides here, especially as best ball. We've been talking so much about best ball, and that's one of the things we focus on. Whichever direction you're picking in best ball, Mike, is is a, is a big thing for the direction. If you're going to contend, or if you're going to rebuild, if you're going to rebuild, like you said already draft picks, right? Liquid picks that aren't scoring points in your lineup. You want to roster later, like those back 10 spots, Hunter Longs and Wangus, guys that are upside darts, hoping to hit. If they don't hit, you're not crushed. But those 10 spots are not going to be scoring points in your lineup, whether it's five, eight, seven, whatever it is. Like those guys not being able to shift up into your lineup in a rebuild helps you actually get a higher pick, which is ultimately what you're trying to do as a piece of what you're doing in rebuilding is acquire more picks and get younger. So you're getting that pick better in the time. Oppositely, this is something I think we really need to talk about on the contending side, dynasty degenerates in best ball, especially like the roster construction, I think in a lineup in a best ball league, when you get to the back part of your bench needs to be very, very different. If you're in a lineup league, you want to roster in your taxi squad in the back part of your bench. Guys that are not scoring points right now, 
But if things break right and they an injury happens in front of some running back, they stop they step in and now it's like, okay, boom. This player, this running back is going to be a staple in my lineup. You want to roster those on lineup. Best ball, you do not want to do that. It's the opposite. On the contending side, if you have one or two of those, maybe. At most, though. Like, you do not want to roster five of the guys that you think have dynasty upside later but are giving you zeros week in and week out. You want to have, to be honest with you, you want to have a crusty guy that has a pulse and is going to play like a 40-50% snap share or higher that gives you a chance of a touchdown and 80 yards in that week because you need as many darts as possible in best ball. So understanding your direction ultimately in best ball is such a big thing, I think, from the roster construction standpoint and figuring out how to juice up the contending side and ultimately pick up values, but make sure your points are lower on the rebuild side. So a little fun thing to end it right here was when we talked earlier about being first at the party and the advantage that it has. Last year in most of the leagues that you and I played in, one of us usually went rebuild, the other one went contender, right? And we Correct. We just kind of alternated leagues back and forth. Well, this year, yeah, we we figured out in the startup like at a certain point, like, yeah. damn it, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna contend or I'm gonna rebuild because Mike's already winning the other way. I found far more leagues this year that you and I are in. We're both picking the same direction, and how damn important it is between us which one of us gets there first, right? Correct. Which one of us Correct. gets to the picks first if we're Correct. both rebuilding. Or which one of us gets to the fucking vets, the cheap ones, first? Because being the second guy to the party sucks so bad, right? Your options are so damn limited, and it hurts It hurts my soul. Well, I realized it in one league where I just finally was like, yeah, I'm going to start selling stuff off. And I'm like, damn, Adam's already got most of the good stuff. <laughs> yep. This Dude, is well, bullshit. <laughs> that's, that's why it is so good to be to the first of the party, right? Because... There's nothing worse than rebuilding and you're like, man, if I play my cards right, I'm still in second place on this direction, which is not paying me any fucking money. Like that sucks, <laughs> right? That sucks. Yeah, I, d- I definitely don't want to be the third place rebuilder, right? Yes. Jeez. <laughs> the, 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 yeah. the bronze trophy in fucking rebuilding. Woof. That might be the uh, worse than a failed contender, to be honest. <laughs> That's true. You, you have no direction and you finally decide to rebuild, but you're so late to the party that you can't, that is uh, yeah, that that's, that's nasty. You don't want to be in that. that yeah, at least most failed contenders actually make the playoffs and like have a shot at potentially winning some money. If you're the <laughs> third place rebuilder, you get nothing. You had Nada. no shot to begin with. So, yeah. all right. I like it, man. We, I can't believe we did a whole hour on this one, but it was good to rehash and, and talk about it. And also uh, just to be honest, man, how much, like some of our strategy has changed or we've adjusted or tweaked since we first started doing this back in January. Uh, all the smart people that we keep getting around, Scott Connor, Eric, you had mentioned, uh, you know, listen to more stuff about, uh, you know, Nate Liss, uh, what he's got going over at DynastyRankings.com is really good. Uh, Ray has been absolutely incredible. Ray and Jay Rich, their wake-up show. But even more for us, I think, especially for me, has been – those opportunities to have those random voice chats in the Heisman yeah. chair, right? And yep. and just the in-depth discussion that we have sometimes where it's like, Adam, you know how much uh, earlier in the year I'm 
dunk it on James Cook. Now I'm, I feel like I'm the biggest James Cook fighter out there. Like, let's go. I, I want all the James Cook I can get at cost. So yeah, that yeah, kind the, of stuff the, I, has shaped us, I think, in the last you know seven months from even when we started. So it, I, I like going back and reviewing some of this stuff. Yeah, no, no question. I think, you know, as the season approaches, this was something that needed to be rehashed. Uh, whether you listen to the first episode we did on direction and some of the ones we did earlier, um, th- this is something that even if you listen to it or you didn't, like it needs to be rediscussed, talked about in certain formats and kind of refreshed because the timing of right now, um, we've been thinking so much about this youthful pieces and now we're going to be transitioning into the real games, right? What, what matters in scoring points in your lineup. And right now, all that off-season stuff, like you can play the values. Even if you're a contender, you can try to move values and figure out what you're going to do. Now, as the games approach, people have to make decisions to what direction they're going to go. And if you don't make a direction pick right now, what's going to happen is other people will, and you're going to get stuck in the SOL lane. Do not get stuck in the SOL lane, as Mike alluded to. You don't want to be the third, fourth-place rebuilder. You have no chance of winning and you're not going to be the one that gets the most value on the rebuild side. Don't do that. So there you go. You got the direction piece. We have other D's to get to later on. But just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. It's so much different when you think about rebuilding or contending, don't it? (laughs) That's because you're out of here. Peace. Peace.